I felt like the Lord was saying today, and, uh, and I, again, we're not here just to kind of get the band to jazz us up and then the speaker to motivate us. We're really here to engage and connect and produce something of the Spirit in an atmosphere that really does impact not only the room, but the city, the state, the nation, and the nations of the world. The worshiping church is a powerful force in the earth. How many of you believe that's true? Amen. The worshiping church is a powerful force in the earth. And so what we want to do is engage on that level where we're uh, worshiping and expressing. And so as I'm talking Scripture and the Word, when something resonates within you, then I want to challenge you. Be noisy. Give a yes. Give an amen. Because the yes and amen produces an embrace. The Bible says that the promises of God belong to us through our yes and amen. So I'm simply trying to square this off so that we all understand. How many you know we're here as a team today to worship God? We're here as a team today to declare God's Word is alive. We're, as, we're here as a team today to release an atmosphere in this room that really does move people to another place, spiritually speaking, beyond what's going on in the natural. So let's agree for that as we stir ourselves up to take hold of the things of God. Lord, Wake us up to the things that you want us to wake up to today. I know there's some specific things that you have asked me to say today, but I pray our focus, Lord, would be the specific things that you desire to speak even beyond what's said. And I know that you are so powerful. You can have an individual conversation with every person in the room as we gather together if each of our hearts are inclined to you. So do that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been on this journey together to discover why, John, why Jesus said in John 5, the scriptures speak of me, the scriptures speak of Jesus. Every book of the Bible uniquely reveals Christ, and it's amazing throughout the Old Testament and New Testament when we begin to see that. Today, we're talking about Jesus revealed in 1 Peter, and I believe God wants to establish some grit in our lives today as a result of digging into His Word. God wants to establish something of substance within us to be able to fight. Just what Derek was saying, Monday being hit, Tuesday being hit, come on, we're just going to stay true to what we know God's called us to, even when it's not easy, and especially when it's not easy. God wants to put something substantial in us to cause us to rise up and fight. So Peter, the, the the book of 1 Peter reveals Jesus as our strength in times of suffering. He's revealed in this book as our strength in times of suffering. Uh, many have said that the book of 1 Peter is to the New Testament what the book of Job is to the Old Testament. And if you're not familiar with the book, I'm going to explain a little bit of context so that we can understand and recognize, but we are going to talk about Peter's words and teaching on suffering. And so think about this where this lands with you. You know, what, what do you think, uh, and how do you respond when you think about maybe uh, something ahead of you that is a painful situation that you're about to endure? When you, when you really think about suffering, how do you react to suffering? Because some people, they're living their life in such a way that one more shot to them is just going to cause them to crumble. There's this mindset of, I'm faltering, I'm barely making it, I feel like I'm merely surviving, and, and one more shot, one more difficult situation, more, one more adversarial circumstance, one more giant, and I think I'll crumble. And then you've got the other 
other side, this like the other end of that spectrum, somebody that's looking at any adversarial situation as one more opportunity to show how big my God is, one more opportunity to show how strong God is in the midst of any situation that comes my way. So where are you on that spectrum? We're all kind of in between those two elements, and, and the book of First Peter is trying to help us get into the place of understanding that anything we're walking through, no matter what those circumstances may be, they really should drive us into a deeper intimacy with God Almighty. That's exactly what Peter is trying to explain. Now, you and I can carry an eternal perspective. This is vitally important that you understand. Peter knew what he was talking about uh, when he was completely given to the purposes of God. Okay, again, this book of suffering was written, 1 Peter, right before the final years of Nero's reign when huge persecution came out in the church. Many Christians lost their lives. Peter himself would lose his life shortly after writing 2 Peter, and he would be crucified in Rome just like Jesus was. But Peter was so bought in to the the legacy of Christ and the nature of God revealed in Christ, Peter would actually ask please do not crucify me like you did my Lord and Savior. I'm not worthy to die the death he died. And at Peter's request, he was actually crucified upside down in Rome. This guy was very given to the revelation of Christ and the understanding of who God was in humanity. And, and I, you know, I, I read things like that, and I, I think about that, and, and I just think, how many of you know it's so true? We've taken our faith and we've reduced it to mere belief, something we believe in and primarily align ourselves when it's convenient to believe in that direction. And that has very little to nothing to do with Christianity and absolutely flies in the face of the cross of Jesus Christ. There is a cross at the middle of the kingdom and our king came and he suffered and he died, but he is alive because there's something worth more than this life for living. And we need to figure that out. And our sound needs to make that sound and our declaration needs to be that declaration. Come on, help me today. And let's declare we're men and women of the Spirit. There's something eternal that God's awakening within us. When we gather like this, it's an embrace and a cultivation of an eternal perspective. These words come up on the screen, and it's this chant of eternity that we're declaring, all in agreement and all in unity. Worship is so powerful because it gets the body of Christ together chanting the eternal chants and the declarations of the power of God in agreement. And we're cultivating, you understand, that's what we're doing. We're cultivating an eternal perspective. And I want to challenge you to understand something because you and I can possess the eternal perspective that is superior to the temporary nature of any problem that comes our way. Think about what I'm saying. We have the ability to memorize the mind of God. To memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God and embrace the eternal perspective that is superior to the temporary nature of any problem that is staring you in the face right now. Your God is bigger than your situation. And we have to get that in our heart, and we have to stop exploring levels of convenience, and we need to start embracing places of conviction. It has nothing to do with what's convenient. It has everything to do with what God desires, which becomes our conviction, and that's the way we live because. Something going on from within us. Peter walked with Jesus for more than three years, and he watched firsthand. He observed for more than three years walking with 
the Savior, and he, he observed as he was persecuted, he observed as, as people talked about him behind his back. Anybody ever had that happen? As people told lies about him, people said all kinds of things that could have gotten him in a flurry. I just want to say today, and I, I just feel this is an important element and component for this service. I didn't even bring this into the, the first service, but there's somebody here today that needs to hear me declare and say to you that you're deviating from your destiny when you're getting into arguments and debates that have nothing to do with your future. Just because somebody's talking trash about you does not mean they deserve the resource of your life. Stay focused on what God's calling you to. We're so easily distracted and stirred up in our state of spiritual immaturity, and we have to grow in a place of greater maturity to respond to the things that God desires rather than the things that try and captivate us. Peter watched as Jesus dealt with all these things so graciously. He was misunderstood. He was attacked, persecuted, and ultimately killed, crucified. And with his dying breath, he still did not malign or curse but he actually blessed and prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. Is that our heart? Is that our passion? So vital that we understand this is a book, and we'll go into 1 Peter chapter 2, but this is a book to teach us and instruct us how we should live well, even in painful and seemingly unbearable times. That's born out of your identity, and your identity is rooted in Christ, and you have to know that. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter writes to this group of believers trying to establish them in who they were so that they would come out of who they were of their identity and be strong no matter what came their way. But you are a chosen people. You are chosen by God. Would you say, I am chosen? Would you say, I am chosen? You are chosen by God. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He called you out of darkness. Come on, you are there in that place of darkness. Aren't you glad he called you into a place of light? So there are a lot of illustrations and analogies to try and understand the depth of what's being revealed here. We understand that darkness and ignorance have the same origin of word as light and knowledge have the same root word origin. And so when you see this, God called us out of ignorance. We walked around in ignorance and darkness, not understanding anything about life. Anybody who told us that this was cool about the way we live our life or this was a passion that was drawn, we just would go that direction because it was fun and what we enjoyed and we were just trying to have a good time you only live once and you know this old mindset that the world has to give us you just kind of buy into that but then you start to realize that does not fulfill me success will never fulfill me pleasure will never fulfill me it all just keeps eating at me leaving me empty wondering why am I not fulfilled no matter what I seem to accomplish and it's because you were born for more than the best moment this world ever has to offer you you were born for the eternal purpose of God. You must choose to live for the eternal purposes of God. And when you begin to do that, you will rise above every frustrating situation that tries to keep you down. 
We, maybe you've been to, to Branson before in Silver Dollar City. When you go right in the gate, there's this cave you can go down in. And, and I mean, you go walking down. It takes, I don't know, a couple hours maybe to go through the whole thing. Huge underground cave. And they always take you back in this one little room, and they shut off all the lights. There is no light. And when you're in a cave and they turn out the lights, how many you know it's dark? It's very dark, and they would always conclude the same way by turning on this very small light up at the front of the room. And I always found it interesting, because we've done this a number of times. When the lights go out, everybody just kind of, oh. And you're not really looking at anything, but you're trying to look somewhere to see something, and you're realizing it is so dark you can't see. But when that light comes on, everybody in the whole area turns their focus to look at the light. When you were born, the first thing you did was you drew an attraction to the light. Do you understand? He's called us out of darkness. We're surrounded by darkness, but we simply step into his light. And when we do that, other people in places of darkness, they are inclined to look our direction. When we start to get this thing right from the inside, we start to live our lives in a way that draws that attention. The darker it gets, the brighter we become. If we guard our hearts, if we guard, I mean, you know, it can get dark and we can just get disappointed. How many of you had some darkness trying him around you and you just allowed disappointment to take over and flood yourself? Come on, every one of us can relate to it. But the darker it becomes, the lighter we become if we guard our hearts and if we stay true to the example of of Jesus Christ. And Peter explains this, verse 21 to 23 of the same chapter, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. This is Jesus, the example you and I should follow. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. I'm I'm emphasizing that one phrase in there, and I want us to understand, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. Let's just be real honest for a moment. How many of you are good at loving people who love you, but you're not so good at loving people who don't love you? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about from your drive into church today. Situations happen on the road, and all of a sudden the reactions start coming, right? And, and crazy. I mean, it, it, we go from zero to crazy that fast sometimes when situations come our way. That's not the example Jesus set. And I, I don't know if you've ever been offended on the road. How I many of you know you just, you just do some ridiculous stuff? You, you, I mean, like you later think, what was I thinking, right? I mean, I had a guy one time, and I guess he didn't like the way I was driving, and he got beside me and and wouldn't let me in the lane. I had to turn left, and he literally, when I would speed up, he would speed up. When I would slow down, he would slow down, and he just was tormenting me, and I was trying hard. Like, I was all the way pedal to the middle, no matter how fast I went, just barely over the speed limit, I might add. 
my, my 16-year-old daughter here driving soon. Uh, and so, you know, I would go and forward, back, forward, back. He, he would never let me in. And I want you to know, that dude, his, his, that, his actions held me hostage all morning long. I got to the office, and I, was, I, I had his tag by this point. I'm thinking, who could I call to get, you know, find out where he, where he lives? I wasn't going to turn to the police. I was going to go take care of business, you know what I was saying. And so, the, I mean, just crazy. We can go in that mindset and that attitude when somebody does something that is against us it can awaken something in the, in the natural in us that we later think, what was I thinking? And what we have to realize and look at is God's trying to get us to a place where we're not living life offended every five minutes. I have been around and, and done a lot of funerals now. I have never one time at any funeral ever seen a dead person get offended by something that was said. Now, I've been at some funerals where people said some mean and nasty things about the deceased, if you can imagine. Like, they would literally have remarks to say and, and like, bash the person. And, and, like, if the dead person could hear, then they would sit up and say, ah, 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 you know. They would start trying to react to that situation, hurl insults back. But you can't offend a dead person. You cannot offend a dead person. And the Bible says you and I are supposed to learn how to die in Christ. And, and the, the measure of offense that you're willing to pick up will tell you just how dead you're not. I'm preaching right now. And the easier we are to be offended, the less we've been willing to die to ourselves in Christ. And you and I live in a society, in a church world, that has tried to reduce Christianity into this self-serving religion that leaves everybody living and happy and doing their best to represent Jesus. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is you die to yourself so Jesus can live through your surrendered available life. Come on. You ought to help me a little more than that. Let's just call it in. We're calling in men and women of God that are willing to face the cross, to die to themselves. When somebody's kind to me, it is easy for me to give them kindness. When somebody is unkind to me, I have to choose to give them what God has given me instead. See, this is our 2017 New Year's revelation. Love is our source. Love is our source. I refuse to be defined by the people or circumstances around me. Love will be my source. Love is patient. I will be patient. Love is kind. I will be kind. When I find myself expressing impatience, I will repent to God and the people around me who are having to be the brunt of my impatience, and I will ask, because that is, that's how you die. You understand? Like death, what does that mean? Death means I'm willing to sacrifice my reputation because I'm more interested in my character than I am in my reputation. And if I have to go back and tell somebody, I acted like a fool in front of you with my impatience and my unkind attitude, and I am sorry, and I am repenting, and I'm asking God to help me. And you know, I'm dying to myself to do that, something inside me begins to be awakened by the Spirit of God that helps me be stronger in the Lord and in His mighty power when I'm willing to do that. Love is my source. I'm not willing to let people around me define me. 
When somebody's unkind, if I'm unkind, then I've just let them be the shaping force of my life rather than God and His Word. Hear what I'm saying. Because too many of us just live our lives offense to offense and situation to situation and adversary to adversary and adversarial circumstances to adversarial circumstances and we're just trying to paste on the Christian smile in the midst of what's going on with hell in our hearts because we've not surrendered that to God. You become a mirror that reflects whatever comes your way if you don't have a strong force within you awakening something beyond those situations in your life. I don't want to be a reflection of humanity. I want to be an expression of God Almighty to the earth. That's what I want to be. Somebody hateful to you, you just hateful right back. Just natural. But we're not supposed to be natural. We're supposed to be supernatural. We're a supernatural people. Led by the Spirit. I, just, I hear the Holy Spirit right now saying he is rewiring some intricacies even within some of the hearts and minds in this place right now. If you have, if you right now, this moment, you know you are under conviction and you sense what I'm saying is by the Spirit of God for you, I want to ask you to stand and I believe God's about to do something supernatural in your heart. Like this is the altar call moment for you to respond to what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. I believe God's rewiring some of the mechanism, reorganizing some of what's in our hearts and our lives. I believe God wants to do something supernatural in some of us in this moment in time. I didn't come here to preach you up and make you happy. I came here to cooperate with what God wants to do. God wants to reach into some people's lives in this moment in time. It's the supernatural power of God that we must embrace. Lord, I thank you. Just stay right there on your feet just for a moment. Lord, thank you for these men and women, men and women of God who've stood. Your word says that if we're willing to be vulnerable and confess faults to one another and pray for each other, then we will be healed. I believe there is a healing wave from heaven that entered into this room in this moment in time that begins to restructure and reorganize the mechanism of our life, helping us to be transformed, becoming more of what you have called us to become. Lord, let that supernatural transaction happen now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, why don't you celebrate heaven in the hearts of God's people? Heaven is in the hearts of God's people. I'm sorry, but I will not, how many of you agree with this statement? I'm sorry, but I will not give anybody the power to define me in my life. But you will if you don't understand how to suffer correctly. And that's what 1 Peter is all about. You will give that power away if you do not learn how to suffer biblically. The situation comes your way and tries to hold you down and you give a natural reaction rather than stepping up with God's perspective and a supernatural response, then you're being defined by the circumstances that are surrounding you. Your Goliath is going to hold you hostage. You and your kids are going to have to deal with the same. If you don't kill the giants that come your way, your kids are going to have to fight them later. So why don't you just step up and destroy that giant now and leave a legacy and a heritage that moves beyond all that?
1 Peter 3, 8, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with it. This does not make sense to the world system. It doesn't make sense. Listen, I'm just going to tell you from having a school on our campus, we, even Christian people, maybe... Maybe more so Christian people, I don't know. But I'm telling you, even Christian people, parents come and they want to talk to us about a situation that happened and their whole mindset is vengeance and their whole mindset is revenge and they're permeating that and awakening that in the heart of their child and we're not even able to get to a spiritual discipline to train up their child in the things of the Spirit because their parents are so held captive to the world's way of thinking and they demand my rights and they demand my way and they wonder why their kids won't pay attention anything they have to say they're learning from you somewhere my kids need to watch me lay down my rights and say this is not an issue of my rights this is an issue of his will this is not an issue of what I demand this is an issue of what he commands when they see that happening in my life, see, people don't, people don't respect you because you prosper well. People respect you because you suffer well. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Repay evil with a blessing so that you get blessed. Evil comes your way and bless because that is how you release the blessing. What you sow, you grow. What you sow, you grow. If somebody can trick you in to retaliating with hatred, you're sowing something that's going to be growing in your field. If somebody can trick you in to retaliating with gossip, You will inherit a blessing. I want you to hear the context of this inherited blessing. We all know God can bless us. But most people don't realize God can actually use our enemies to bless us. You you see this. Like when my kids, as a father, and Father God watches us, And when my kids respond in a way that's more mature than an immature reaction of another child, how many of you know I am a proud dad who wants to honor and bless my kids as a result? God's not just wanting to bless you. He's not just wanting to use your friends to bless you. God wants to use your enemies to bless you, to let you know he's God. He can take your situation no matter what's been given to you, and he can make you more of a man of God or a woman of God as a result. I'm preaching it today. Come on. Some of y'all got to let go of some stuff that you've been hanging on to. You've been letting it just carry weight you down and be baggage that you're dragging along and you're mad because it didn't go your way you're mad you're disappointed you're frustrated let it go it's time to live again it's time to rise up in the power of God Almighty it's time to hear the voice of God with greater clarity it's time to discern the will of God with incredible certainty it's time to walk with confidence the Lord your God I love the story of David and Goliath I love the story because 
you know, David, like King Saul, finds favor with David, even gives him his armor. He, he, he's, he's taken by David's courage and, and wants to do anything he can to help him. But even though it could have been the case that God moved in the heart of King Saul to maneuver David more into a leadership role to which he was called by God, I love the fact that God didn't use David's friends, but rather God used David's enemy to get him to the throne. Because we would only know David as a shepherd boy had it not been for Goliath the way the story goes. What I'm saying is you don't have to suck up to people hoping they'll give you favors. Your God is in control. He'll even use your enemies, not just your friends. Your God can bless your life and transform everything going on in your future. His plans will prevail. Stop. All I'm saying, and this is your your blank, you can write this in. It's a great expression. Tweet it, post it, put it somewhere, write it on the wall, put it on your arm. Stop letting Goliath discourage you. He's not there to defeat you. He's there to promote you. Those circumstances came to your life and you grew discouraged. You allowed a situation to discourage you, feeling like, well, I don't know that I can go forward with God's plan, and it was actually part of God's plan to propel you forward and a greater part of God's plan. But you must learn to suffer well. You must learn to suffer right. Face those adversarial circumstances with anticipation, with expectation, with faith. We are a community of faith. We are not just a community of believers. Oh yeah, that's the way we believe. We must be Christian. No, we are a community of faith. There is something in your heart that is alive from heaven. There is something in your heart that is awakened. When adversarial circumstances come your way, the well-disciplined heart, it suddenly is awakened to warfare. When adversarial circumstances come your way, the believing heart, the cultivated heart, the heart that's devoted to the Word of God, that thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God, that heart, when adversarial circumstances come your way, that heart is awakened to warfare. The undisciplined heart that you never put the Word in, you never focus in on what God's trying to do, you never cultivate an eternal perspective. When adversarial circumstances come your way, you just wane into discouragement. God's raising up some warriors. I hear the Holy Spirit declaring to me, my son, raise up some warriors in this house that will accomplish what I've called them to accomplish. Do what I've called them to do and expand the work of God, expand the work of the kingdom in the earth. There's more in you than you realize exists. There's more in you than you realize is there. All these deposits God's been putting in your life. All, I mean, there's, there's something right now in this atmosphere, isn't there? It's energized. You sense it, don't you? It's beyond just a, a nice talk. The Spirit of God is in the room having a conversation about some situations in our lives that, that maybe we've not been willing to have a conversation about before, and He's dealing with some things. In all the course of time of your life, weaving through conversations, hearing things, God always trying to get deposits in you, all of these years of your life, there have been deposits that have been put into you. God knows what's in you. You don't know what's in you. God knows what's in you because he put them there and he's calling to them today. Anytime you take a water hose and you put it under pressure, you know what's going to happen. Water's going to squirt everywhere. 
When the devil tries to put you under pressure, you're going to go further than you ever thought you could because the deposits that are in you will be awakened because I'm telling you, adversarial circumstances awaken warfare in the heart of God's people. Somebody ought to shout down some walls with me today. Somebody ought to declare we're breaking through into places of great victory and advancement today. Don't grow discouraged. Don't give up. If you will not give up, you will reap a harvest. Sometimes you're just inches from a total breakthrough in your life. Don't give up inches short. Stay the course. Practice that tenacity. That's what I felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me. I'm going to deposit tenacity in the hearts of my people. There's a tenacious spirit. There's a ferocious spirit of tenacity that's coming upon us. I know God's taking us deeper. And when we gather like this, we're cultivating a perspective of eternity. Let me say again. The eternal perspective that we cultivate is far superior to the temporal nature, the adversarial circumstances that come our way. So therefore, we must cultivate an eternal perspective. Gathering together in worship, we're cultivating that eternal perspective. I know I didn't put that on the form, and I see some of you trying to write it down. The eternal perspective is far superior to the, how did I say that? Boy, that was good. <laughs> the eternal, I don't even know where, where I got that. The eternal, actually, so I'm, I posted this on social media yesterday saying, you know, this is our focus in church. So look at my Instagram, Pastor Dude, you'll, you'll find that. But ultimately, the eternal perspective of God is far superior to the natural uh, inclination of the circumstances that try and inundate our lives. And together we cultivate. In worship, we cultivate that eternal perspective. How many of you know we need an eternal perspective? You don't just need me to preach you up. You need an eternal perspective. And we gather together in worship and we cultivate a stronger eternal perspective. We break bread together in the Word like we're doing now. And we cultivate an eternal perspective. That's why it's very important that you not just show up to church when it's convenient. Because we're cultivating an eternal perspective. It's interesting, but even 10 years ago, a church of 500 people had a stronger Sunday attendance than today, a church of 1,000 people, because people today attend church on average about once every six weeks. Can I just tell you, you are not cultivating an eternal perspective if that's your devotion to the Bible's uh, declaration that says we are not to forsake the assembling together. God's trying to get us to come together so that we'll cultivate an eternal perspective, not when it's convenient, but because of our conviction. That's why we gather the way we gather. That's why we love the way we love, not just when it's convenient. Even when somebody's not loving to me, I want to be loving to them, not because it's a matter of convenience, but because it's a matter of conviction. That's why we serve we serve and devote ourselves. We need help in this place. Guys, there are a lot of things going on, and we need you to serve, not just when it's convenient, but because it's your conviction. Our kids, they deserve the very best. Our youth, they deserve the very best. Our greeters, all the things that are going on in this place, we want it not just when it's convenient, but because out of conviction. That's why we give. Oh, no. You, you ever thought about this? The tithe principle, it's not... The leftover 10%, 
It's the first fruits. The tithe principle is such that God says, I want you when you increase to take that 10% of your increase and give it to me as an expression of worship because it's a conviction, not because it's convenient and because I see at the end of everything, I've got that left over and I'm able to do it. God wants us to sacrificially serve him, love, give, devote ourselves completely to the purposes of God. Y'all were, sh- y'all were shouting me a while ago, now I'm talking about money, come on. God wants us all to move into a place. When you start devoting yourself and giving in these areas of your life, you inherit the blessing. Remember the context of the inherited blessing? Not when it's easy, but not when it's convenient, but because it's a conviction. That's what releases something in your life. It'll release it on every level of your life. You will never be the person you can be if all pressure, tension, and discipline are taken out of your life. So stop begging God for easy. You're asking him to allow you to settle for less than he called you to be. Stop begging God for easy and get in a fighter's frame of mind. It is, we need you in this fight. We need you. And some people, they get involved till they get a little bit offended. Then they're not going to get involved anymore. That's about convenience. I'm talking conviction. You know, I have a great obligation. I'll stand at the front of the pack of our elderships, our eldership and our leaders, and I will answer to God for how mature we uh, help this body of Christ become. I'm challenging you to maturity. You know you're not going to show up here and just hear what you want to hear. You're going to show up and you're going to hear what you need to hear because it is time for the church to step into a place of greater maturity and deliberation of the expansion of all God's called us to. So I want to challenge you to an action point this week. You're God's presence for real life. We always take God's presence and inhale and receive that, and then we express that out as an action point. That's why you see GP4RL on the bottom of your note card. That's God's presence for real life. Your action point is really simple. I want to encourage you uh, in this particular week to focus in on Philippians 3.10. It's a great portion of Scripture. This is the Amplified And it says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. Why do you exist? To know Christ. I know we're always trying, I'm going to find myself, I'm going to try and figure out why. No, the reason you exist is to know Christ. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Gradually, every day, no matter what circumstances come my way, I'm going to allow those circumstances to drive me to press into my God rather than to be angry at him. Spoiled brat children get mad at their parents. Mature kids try to gain understanding and become more mature mature as a result. How many of you know the church is full of spoiled brat kids in many ways? God wants us to grow up and be mature and embrace whatever we have to walk through. Let's embrace the grace of God in that, knowing that the number one reason we exist is to know him more intimately, and the more painful it is to pursue him, the more reward comes as a result. That painful situation and adversarial circumstance that came your way is your opportunity not to defeat you, but to promote you if you're willing to lift your hands in a posture of of praise and worship to your God, even in the painful moments. Will you stand with me? Son, 
melts ice, and the same sun that melts ice hardens clay. How do you respond when the heat of life is on? Do you grow soft or do you grow hard? The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The same water, boiling water, that softens the carrot hardens the egg. How are you going to respond to what you've heard today? This is a hard one. Usually, usually tough messages like this are a little more complicated for me to preach, but I'm just telling you there is an openness to what God wants to do right now. He is trying to take us into places where some of us have never even dwelt before. Come on, you know he's taking you deeper. Why don't you just lift your hands? This is just a posture of surrender. And we just surrender. Today, Lord, we just enter into an attitude of surrender to you. We're not asking you to make it all easy. We're not even asking you to make it all right. We're just asking you for your grace, Lord, to help us to know you more in the mix of walking through this fallen world. May we keep looking to our risen king, becoming more like the loving, serving, giving example Jesus has always been in our lives to see your kingdom expand in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, Lord. Lord, just deal with us. Reach into our hearts. Lord, I just avail my heart to you. Deal with any unchecked area. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, maybe there's some people in this room today and you say, you know, I'm really not even a Christian. I'm not serving God I just want to invite you to take the journey of a lifetime entering into the eternal purposes of God. This is why you were born, to discover your purpose in Christ. I want to challenge every one of us in the room. Let's all purpose to take a step forward in our faith and our relationship with Him. You know, the same way words pop up on the screen and we make those words our own and that becomes worship. You understand, if we don't make those words our own, then it's just singing songs. But we make those words our own, they become worship. And I want to put a prayer up on the screen. And those of you that need to make a decision to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, then this is your prayer. Those of you that today, all of us that say, I just want to take a step forward, this is our prayer. Let's pray this prayer together as it pops up on the screen. Let's all say this out loud. Jesus, we thank you that you came. You lived you died and you are alive. You are who you say you are. You are the Savior of the world. Today, I confess my need for you to save me from my sins. You are my salvation. Teach me to be more like you every day for the rest of my life. Amen. Come on. We just agree. Draw us deeper, Lord. Draw us deeper.